power pose. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. It's just like such a tight fit. It's like, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, is this the right way? Should I try to back into it? Anyway. Okay. Hello. <laughs> you know how like if someone's going through a tough time and people are like, I'm here for you if you need anything. Oh yeah. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I get bad bunny in duh baby confused because those sound like cartoon kids. I don't know what they look like. And I don't really know what either of their music sounds like. Is bad bunny. They're very bad bunny. Baboni. That's how he says the name. And the baby is, (laughs) it's just because the names are the baby and bad bunny. Like they could be on Looney Tunes together. Hello and welcome to your favorite content podcast, No But Actually. We'll tell you everything you need to know about content and culture to impress your booze mom at the next Zoom bar mitzvah. And don't worry, it's not just highbrow. We're talking selfies, we're talking memes, we're talking TikTok, and everything in between. And we are your hosts. I'm Sasha. And I'm Tamer, like a lion tamer. To give you the lay of the land of what's happening, we're still a little bit new to this. This is episode three, so welcome back if you have joined us for episode episodes one and two, and a huge welcome if you're new to this. We love you already. So each week we start off with a roundup of what's happening in the news and what we've been watching, recommendations on all things content. Then we take a deep dive into a little bit of content that we've talked about. Today's topic is no, but actually what Gossip Girl taught me about sex. Ooh, I love it. Get ready. I'm actually so hyped about that. Okay. And then lastly, we ask a question to our friends and fans, you, and talk about the answers here. So uh, we're going to get started. Okay. So Sasha, what, what's up in the news? Like what happened this week? Well, what had me totally gutted on the floor, like pause everything, put my phone down this week was finding out that Alexander Skarsgård is going to be joining succession for season three. He is allegedly playing a CEO, someone was like, Mark Zuckerberg, eat your heart out. I like the gravity of this, like succession is like a show that changed me. I already have to pause it like every like three minutes just to laugh. Just like I have to pause for laughter. My heart is beating so hard right now to know that he's going to be part of it. I know. And like, it's so, and for me, Alexander Skarsgård is like, talk about content influencing your culture because he's the reason why I have a fetish for tall guys. Like him on true blood as eric northman like he's really cute i like it a lot yeah i would say like hot no like not just cute like hot. yes yes sorry (laughs) hot like maybe not even cute at all like unfathomably hot and so i think it's gonna be a good addition and it's gonna be interesting too because 90 percent of the people on succession i had never seen anywhere else before yeah i think maybe just the dad and rory mcculkin is that his name? Wait, I forgot his name. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin's brother, but yeah. you know who. Yes. Uh, Rome. The super Roman. annoying one. He's so good at being annoying. Like you hate him, but you have to keep watching. Oh my God. It's like such a good show of like, you hate to love them all and right. you, you're rooting. For- and also Tom Wamsgams, famously Pride and Prejudice, Mr. Darcy. Missed that. My bad. Read the book. Oh my though. gosh. Oh, well the movie is really good, Tamer. Is that it's with Kira Knightley? Yes. Okay. Oh my God. I can't believe you haven't seen it. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, so good. So uh, we're definitely tuning in. They've been filming in New York. Like the spottings have been happening um, of the characters. So, so excited. Lit. Um, also news like Willow's a rock star. She released images, I guess, from a forthcoming album. They look amazing. Like she looks like a nineties rock star. And I didn't know that Jada Pinkett Smith was also a rock star. What? Yeah. Like she had a band there called Wicked Wisdom. It was like not even <laughs> alternative. It was like rock. Like guitars bass like oh my god singing. yeah wait you'll i have... feel like we need to like pl- play a clip 
Yeah, we're going to play a clip. We're going to get copyrighted. It's fine. That's so cool. Okay. Speaking of filming, they also started filming the newest adaptation of Sally Rooney piece, Conversations with Friends. And Joe Alwyn, who is best known as Taylor Swift's boyfriend and second best known as a side character in the movie, <laughs> The Favorite, is playing the like hot older man, which I think he was miscast, but we'll like let we'll like wait till we see the content to like give the final verdict. Did you read that book, Hulu? Too, I did not read the book but heard all about it. You watch normal people though, right? Oh God. Oh my God. I know the shame that I'm feeling in this new segment. No, I'm sorry. We're diverse. It's good. We have, you know, we have a breadth of, we don't have to watch the same things, but. But I mean, I could have watched that. I maybe should have anyway, but is the new, I know it's on Hulu is the new, is this new one on Hulu as well? Yes, I think so. And I think it's maybe even the same showrunner. Oh, okay. That's cool. I know. It'll be interesting. The book's very similar. Some people say it's basically just like normal people, but slightly different characters, but definitely like similar vibes. So I think it'll be interesting to see if, if the, if the vibe is similar in a way that fans are receptive to, or if they're just like, eh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. TBD. We'll be talking about it here. Yeah. And then last thing for the news, like the invention of the term chuggy or chuggy or chuggy like tell us what you how you think it's pronounced like please with phonetic um letters in the comments or in the dms <laughs> because i'm not 100 percent sure which makes me feel like maybe i'm chuggy uh but like yeah so gen z i guess invented this term for like try hard millennials which does kind of feel like a new way to say basic though so i also read that there is a certain level of self-awareness needed to be chuggy, which makes it more like a step up from being basic, but it seems like it's kind of millennial basic. I do think it's millennial basic. I mean, we talked about this last week, right? And then we read the Taylor Lorenz article in the New York Times about this particular word, which the fact that we had to read about it, I feel like already says that, does that mean that we're chuggy or that we can't even (laughs) be it because we literally like intellectually looked it up to see what it was. Um, it's a weird word though. I do think it's basic, but every generation needs to like appropriate their own terms. And so if you want to take basic and make it chuggy, it just reminds me of chingy. I'm like right there. Right oh my there. God. My seventh grade boyfriend gave me a chingy album for my birthday. Like a and CD. To, yeah. Like the actual CD. <laughs> I don't even think you can give someone an album anymore. Yeah, like what would you give them? Like here's a Spotify gift card. <laughs> Oh my you God. pay for a month of Spotify? I don't know. You could give someone a playlist, I guess. So wow, like the boundary has oh, been pushed. Yeah. Like you have to be creative. You can't just give someone off the rack music. Wait, that's so cute. I want someone to give me a playlist. I know. Honestly, I don't think people do that enough. And you know, like total sidebar, but you know how like if someone's going through a tough time and people are like, I'm here for you if you need anything. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, talk so much. You're just waiting for me to keep talking. No, no, no. I just, I thought it was rhetorical, but yes, yes. I feel like it's kind of stressful sometimes if someone says that to me because it's like, well, what am I going to ask you for? Mm -hmm. So I like to like give a menu of things and often I'll be like, oh, I can make you a playlist. Like, oh, like, let me know if you need anything. Like I can make you a playlist. I can order you some food. I could do your laundry. And I feel like making someone a playlist is like underrated because it costs no money, a little bit of time and music is a bomb. I guess it's only a nice thing to do if you that's a rude. I'm about to say something rude. I was going to say it's only nice to do if you're good at it, but it's the thought that counts. <laughs> so I retract what I said. No, it is true. I mean, that that's definitely true. <laughs> Which maybe could be said of other things too. It's like giving someone a casserole if you're like bad at casseroles. <laughs> it's like not great, but I guess you can't, um, you can't like give it back. Like there's not a receipt that you take it back to the store or whatever. So like, it'll always be in that person's list of playlists and that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. They'll feel like held maybe. I don't know. What news have you been following Tamer? Um, well, if Saturday night live counts as news and their weekend updates, we could talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't we zoom into the portion of our show, which is what we're actually watching. Tamer, it's time for say what you stream. We can't, we don't even know how to like make those words work together. (laughs) Um, We're clearly not music heads. (laughs) Okay. So 
I feel like SNL, I have watched the clips for years, but I haven't watched a full SNL show. I don't even know the last time that I watched ever? like literally. A full I, yeah. Maybe in high school. I don't know. Well, maybe ever for me. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like also fair. So I feel like it was the most hyped SNL that I have ever heard about in the past week. Elon Musk was on SNL. He was hosting. Did you know this? You look very surprised. I saw one meme. I was just more surprised. I, it hasn't been percolating through my sphere, but I knew it was happening. <laughs> and I saw a meme that was good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I feel like because I, I, don't, I was going to say because I work in tech, but we both work in tech. I don't know what happened, but Elon was all over my feed as an addition to SNL. Also, I guess, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I think you're I plugged into the like professional world and I'm like plugged into just like dumb TikTok. <laughs> So, um, lol. So actually I was, I was super excited to watch it because again, I haven't seen a full episode. Elon, like, what's up? What are you doing? I feel like his board was of directors was like, it's better than you posting about smoking weed. Like fine, whatever. Like, <laughs> um, and so it was this past Friday. No, sorry. It was, it was the Saturday before mother's day. And so the, uh, the opening scene is Miley Cyrus she's singing like that's the other person who hosted it with him and then uh there's all these clips with everyone's moms and they're all the moms were actually like flown into the studio and they all like they were clearly reading off of cards because none of them are like professional actors but they were there was like jokes it was very very cute and then Elon came out and did like a whole monologue segment and he acted in a few different skits and I was actually pretty impressed. Like this man memorized his lines. He was like definitely a little bit awkward, but he's not a professional actor. Um, so it was just kind of cool to see that crossover of business, venture, tech, like wild yeah. space exploration in this pop culture SNL realm. An interesting public figure because it typically is like actors, comedians, musicians. Right. Like the only one I can think of that I know who like wasn't in one of those categories was Brian Williams, the news anchor, was on it once, and his was actually so good, Tamer. And he, he was very hot. R.E.P. That he was canceled for for lying a little. Is he really hot? I didn't know that. I, I mean, mean, he's I hot him. in like an old white man way, yeah. like zaddy. He's a zaddy <laughs> for sure. O.G. zaddy. Um, so I was, I like read a, a little bit about it and apparently Donald Trump was also one of the only like non-actor figures to be on it. I think probably be, like back when he wasn't canceled, when he was like a cool, like rich dude that people admired. I mean, arguably though, a show host. And it, yeah, like he was on The Apprentice. Like he wasn't, it was, I don't think it was that crazy that he had hosted it. Elon um, Musk definitely signposts like a new era for celebrity CEOs. For sure, for sure. I mean, and he is a celeb in a way that like, actual celebs that we think of are not. So what really struck me though, was that a lot of it just wasn't funny. <laughs> like it was cool that Elon was there. Love Miley, but wow. Some of the skits were just so bad. I just, okay, there, there was yeah. one skit that was about, it was like the Uli show when they were, it was this Northern European talk show. And I just <laughs> was like, that's not why it wasn't funny. I think it probably could have been funny, but the accents were just crazy, like so exaggerated. It didn't, it didn't make sense. It just didn't. And I just thought, wow, like this is the best that we had to offer for this week. Like y'all were in the writer's room all week and this, these were the best. So there was one funny skit that was about quarantine and it was like what you'll say in every single party after quarantine, like how was it for you? <laughs> which 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 vaccine did you get? I got the Moderna. So true. That's every conversation. Oh, so did you get Moderna? Did you have symptoms? How many are out? Okay. Right. And then the people's voices inside being like, I fucking hate this dude. Like, I never want to talk to this guy again. Do I even know you? So that was funny. And I feel like there was like six skits and none of the rest of them were funny. Except oh my for God, I know. I, it's like that, like, sorry, but like SNL is not that funny. Uh Everything that's funny on SNL will make it to YouTube and it'll be really good. Yes, and, you'll and that's know. why like, I just watch the clips. I love the clips and also like the best content that SNL puts out is like their digital shorts, like the stuff that they don't perform live. And like, that's like, mwah, mwah. Like 
chef's kiss. It's all about the, the YouTube videos for SNL. Yeah. It was just, I think I was shocked. So then I looked into it a little bit more and apparently SNL's ratings haven't been doing too well lately. It was really a boon for them to get Elon. And like, there was so much more chatter around SNL than normal because of it. And so I knew it happened. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, Lauren yeah. Michaels is like, we need to get, we need to boost these numbers. <laughs> Insert meme of Matthew McConaughey saying, got to juice those numbers champ. Um, the other funny thing that happened during the show was that there were a jillion car commercials <laughs> like that weren't Tesla. <laughs> oh, ah, that is hilarious. Like, okay, kudos to all those marketing managers who were like, yo, like, let's buy Chevy ads like against SNL. Like, yeah hilarious Literally. it was so funny and it was like obviously because I mean I, I bet a new group of people are watching this episode and all the car companies were like let's go and there was actually this ad for an electric car called L- lunar I'm uh, <laughs> Luna maybe fuck I don't know I got it starts with an L uh but it's an electric car company that's not Tesla. And I was like, wow, that was bold. I think it's a Chinese company too. Saucy. The meme that I saw, the way that I heard about this was there's a meme that was like, a ima- it was like a screenshot of him dressed as like Wario. And it was like, imagine you just pulled a 14 hour shift at Tesla and you get home in the Tesla manufacturing line and you get home and see that your boss spent the weekend dressed like a Wario. <laughs> and um, yes. I was like, you know who I thought of? I thought of my ex-boyfriend who works at Tesla. Hi, Tom, if you're listening. Just kidding. I know you're definitely not listening. Uh, Yeah, that skit also was not that funny, but it was funnier than every other one. It went like the quarantine skit. No, weekend updates, quarantine skit, the Wario Mario skit, and then everything else was garbage if you're listening to this tell us if you think we're going to post a poll on our instagram you can follow us no but actually with periods in between so it's like no dot but dot actually is snl funny yes or no you know what my vote is okay so um on to some other things that i was watching uh and thinking about this past week i started watching shadow and bone on netflix and by started watching it, I mean, I also finished it because that is how Netflix works. Um, I was with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> if someone says they started a Netflix show and that's it, that's how you know it's not that good. Right. If it was good, they would have finished it too. Right. Uh, my dad and I were trying to find something to watch that we both enjoy, which is difficult because this man only likes shows with action, potential violence. And I personally like rom-coms, <laughs> like romance. <laughs> anyway, it was it would, it was rough, but we landed on Godzilla versus King Kong, which is on HBO. And wow, that was a terrible movie. Like we both in the first five minutes were like, oh my God, like we got to find something else. That's um, new, right? It's yeah, I think it came out like maybe a month or two ago. Was it bad good? Like funny how bad it was? Like Fast and the Furious or just like No, I feel ugh. like no. It made you think that or excuse me, I'll talk for myself. It made me think that use I statements when you're talking about Godzilla, please tamer. <laughs> yes, I'm going to try to be thoughtful about my statements. Um they all the budget was used on the images and the graphics because the 3D graphics were honestly quite good. The actors just terrible. Like, what emotion <laughs> are you showing me right now? Why are we running around? Also, what is the storyline? Like, it wasn't used on the, the the script or the people. They were like, "We'll do a budget script, but I want those scales to be lifelike." Literally. So anyway, we turned it off, and then we we're like, "Okay, what are we going to watch next?" Shadow and Bone seemed like something that could fit for both of us. And then we watched, like we watched it in two days. So, um, it was really cool. It's a, it's, it's adapted from a book. I think it's a trilogy and probably like a a young adult, um, book. And it's about this woman who has secret powers that will end up saving the world. The story of every fantasy book um but obviously yeah. uh hers is hers is different and apparently in the book this isn't true I was the main actor is named Jesse Maylee and I, I started watching a bunch of interviews of her after I watched the show and she was saying that in the tv show one of the character struggles is that she's half shoe which I think is like Asian and 
Uh, so she has shoe eyes and like people are like upset with her because they don't like shoe people. And she in real life is mixed race. And uh, she was saying in the book, like that didn't necessarily happen. So when she saw it, she was like, oh, this is gonna be like a token half Asian character. But then they really deep dive, like how she feels about her eyes, why she wants to keep them. Like the fact that she's proud of being different but also the struggles that she faces from being different. But it doesn't do it in a way that's contrived. Like it's just totally part of the story and normal. Um, and so, I mean, that's not what my dad got out of the story, obviously. He was like, <laughs> like fights. He was like, damn, that's CGI, man. <laughs> but I love it. What, so, like normalized watching content where you have different takeaways. <laughs> it was quite good. So um, I, I quite enjoyed watching that and would recommend it. Startup idea for anyone listening. I know there's some tech nerds in the his house. How about this? How about not IMDb? How about not categories on Netflix that are discrete, like cerebral mystery or uh, techno futuristic thriller? How about I plug in my age and my status in the family, sort of like 28 year old daughter, and I plug in 64 year old grumpy man, and you tell me what we can watch. Literally, how about that? That's the algorithm we need. That's the algorithm that we need. You're so right. Like, where do we where do we write that feedback to? Yeah, I was like, I'll sign your Kickstarter, or whatever. <laughs> That's what I've been consuming this week. What about you, Sasha? I will say that I have been hashtag busy. I hate it. Booked and busy is not it. I would like to be, have a smooth brain and be a simpleton, but I (laughs) will just say, yes, I don't want to be chuggy AF, like live, laugh, love and watch like Gilmore Girls or something. (laughs) Oh my God. I just started to play more because a lot of my friends love Gilmore Girls, but I will say the main thing on my play button this week is I as I've talked about in like the last million episodes I'm in love with Jamie Dornan who I only love when he's using a his own accent which is Northern Irish I started to watch Synchronic which is on Netflix I highly do not recommend it it's the Netflix version of Tenet pretty much like Anthony Mackie they did him wrong it's so bad like it's not good but as a result I also looked up Jamie Jordan's filmography and like very little good things where he's using his native accent. So I just watched a bunch of YouTube videos with him, which is also like my favorite thing to do, like him in Vanity Fair videos, him on the Graham Norton show, like the gift that keeps on giving. So YouTube wormhole, amazing. And through that, you've probably seen, though, by the time this comes out, it might be old news, Billie Eilish on the cover of British Vogue. Yes, yes, yes. A cultural reset, someone who's become an, a reluctant body icon, who is the message of youthful positivity when it comes to the movement. I would say of actually body neutrality. I think that's the goal for me is like, let's make body not a good part of the conversation. Let's just make it less part of the conversation. Okay, wait, can you explain body neutrality a little bit more? I would say that if body negativity is like not liking your body, wanting to change it or being dissatisfied and just in general having like, you know, negativity around it and body positivity is being like, I love my body no matter how it looks. I'm going to show it off. I'm gorgeous, Um, which is good. And that works for a lot of people. I would say my personal goal is body neutrality in the sense that I think my body and how I look is probably like the least interesting thing about me. Mm. And I think body positivity can make me just think about my body even more. Like, am I loving it? Am I feeling guilty? Cause I don't love the way that I look right now. Like I need to dress a certain way to like show off my body, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, so for someone like Billy, who's like a songstress and she has a lot to like literally say, I can see like her whole thing about like wearing baggy clothes wasn't necessarily like, this is the way I love to express myself. It was like, I don't want to have a conversation about my body. I don't want you to know this is a power move for me to be the only one who knows what I really look like. And I love that she's like reclaiming that energy again by being like, I want to dress with handmade personalized corsetry from Alexander McQueen. She looked amazing and it was a total swerve. So give people the power to do what they want. For me, the goal is body neutrality. For Billy, like it seems like she's changing, which all I was gonna say young women, but all women should do whenever they want and people. Yeah. Men too. 
something I love about her change too was that it didn't and listen I would I'm here for a Miley Cyrus change I'm here for the teenager gone wild like it's it is what it is it's totally fine and it happens I think something that was different about Billy's was that it was like not just conscious but it was so done but it didn't take like a drug scandal or her partying to come out as this I mean a sex icon right like she looks like Marilyn Monroe in the pictures which is purposeful instead she had like a photo shoot <laughs> like a really beautiful high brow she had a debut yeah right? yeah and she made that choice on her own mm-hmm versus having gotten backed into it like so many child stars. As an accompaniment to that incredible cover, they did a um, video British Vogue did called Billie Eilish Answers Questions from Justin Bieber and 22 other famous fans. I don't, I will no shade at you getting that SEO, dropping Justin Bieber <laughs> I know in the like title. Justin and others. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for real. It's like, sorry, Cara Delevingne or whomever. Um, it's so good. I highly recommend it because- Billy just seems natural as she always does. And she's like, has having genuine reactions and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're a fan. Like, I can't believe you know who I am. It's so cute. And it actually reminds me of this really good. We'll find a clip and put it on the gram. There's Japanese, I believe game show game talk show where they would have like a celebrity sit in a chair and questions would come up on a TV. And that's the format of this. And I don't know why it's very mesmerizing to see someone kind of like alone answering questions like that. Like you'd think it'd be boring, but it's really good. So check out the British Vogue video. It's on YouTube. We'll post clips from the other show. That's what I've been burp streaming. <laughs> if you ever hear a really awkward pause and you're listening audio only, it's a hundred percent because I burped because I'm addicted to sparkling water. And so with that, it is time for the main show. Welcome to No But Actually, What Gossip Girl Taught Me About Sex. We are going to be, like, before we jump into it, we're talking about the original Gossip Girl. Obviously, we have the reboot in mind, so stay tuned. Um, If you're like, I don't do things from the 2000s, that was the weirdest accent I've ever done in my life. Um, And I will say- it was like Australian was like a Southern lady. The forthcoming content is going to be spoiler alert left and right. Like we're going to talk about things that happen in Gossip Girl. We might even accidentally on purpose say who was Gossip Girl because you find out in the end, even though it doesn't make any sense and won't influence the way you watch the rest of the show. <laughs> but we're about to talk about Gossip Girl and sexuality. Was. Yes. I will also asterisk this, which that this is an updated version of a paper I wrote when I was a freshman. I wrote a 33 page paper on Gossip Girl, specifically (laughs) sexuality and Gossip Girl. I am that bitch. Like, I think like five or six of the pages were images, but still it was supposed to be 12 pages. And I wrote 33 because I love Gossip Girl. That was an early sign. But Let's get into it. Let me tell you a little bit about Gossip Girl. Did you watch the show, Tamer? Set the scene watched for me. Watched the show, read all the books under cover of night because I was not allowed to read those books because <laughs> they were raunchy. <laughs> and I would borrow them from my friends and literally read them under my covers. Yes, very familiar. Love, love, love. Wait, that's so perfect. We're going to talk about like par- parental attitudes. <laughs> so Gossip Girl, for those who don't know or those who just really love an explainer, is a an American teen drama show which ran from September 2007 to December 2012. And in Sasha years, that is from the beginning of sophomore year of high school to the beginning of junior year of college, which is like formative years. And I was like thinking earlier, like how deep about my own personal self am I going to get into this? But we'll see. We'll see if this Um, sparkling water is going to loosen me up. (laughs) Um, It is, as Tamer hinted at, based on a young adult adult novel of the same name. And it was written by a woman called Cecily Von Zygzar. And it features the lives, drama, ambitions of about six or so high school and then later college students in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And everyone that they touch, not technically, like everyone who comes into their lives, um, some of them they touch, uh, parents, teachers, drug dealers, business partners, maids, interns, etc. And it's actually even like loosely based on this woman's life. And the real life school is called Nightingale Bamford School. And once I was an intern and the another intern went there and I was like, oh my God, you're so cool. I also would like to say that as a someone who watched this like in the 2000s, when the internet was like kind of just getting started, I would like live for 
like YouTube was like just emerging. So like YouTube interviews weren't exactly real yet, but whenever they would like have a real high schooler in New York, they'd always be like, is it like gossip girl? And they'd always be like, it's not that crazy. We don't dress that well for school, but it's very similar, which I would always, you know, I went to school. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. I went to a small private school, but you know, we didn't have drivers dropping us off. We didn't even have taxis or subways. So I'm obsessed. Um, in the context of what was going on around that time, there was definitely a trend in shows that were about kind of rich, troubled teens. Trump, and they had real troubles and, you know, privileged troubles, but like a lot of times it'd be like, you know, and Gossip Girl too, it's like dad is an embezzler and is going to jail or like has a drug addiction issue or is like abusive. So they definitely explore real issues. Um, some of the shows that were popular at the time, Laguna Beach, subtitled The Real Orange County came out in 2004. Um, and I feel like the like, and then which is based on the OC kind of, which came out in 2003 in the One Tree Hill, there was a wave of these shows. I feel like it was very like, are you the OC or are you a gossip girl kind of fan? Me, I'm a gossip girl. Like I love East Coast. And like, as much as I, it's, I'm like such a Dan in that it's like, I hate the elitism, but I secretly love it. Like, I was obsessed with the idea of secret clubs. Like I wanted to go to Yale so I could join Skull and Crossbones and then realize they probably don't let like middle-class brown Jews in. <laughs> don't think you would have been. I don't think they would let me in. Um, but I like the idea of it. For so, sure. I would have had hope for you. Thank you. A campaign for Sasha. Yeah. Plus <laughs> I don't have like no desire to be a politician, but maybe if they caught on and realized that one day I would be a media mogul, which I will be, they're going to be like, right, we should have let Sasha in. Jews control the media. That's me. Um, so that's a little bit about Gossip Girl. So here's the major characters. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the plot, but like literally there's six seasons and so many insane plot lines. Like we could not even scratch the surface. This <laughs> not is not a recap play. show. Not We're talking play. about sexuality. So there's Blair Waldorf. She's like the uptight type A prim and proper whole life planned ahead. Never goes below Central Park type of girl. And in like a sexual flavor, she's very much like the prude at the beginning. Then there's Serena Vanderwoodson, which I the brunette, and she's a brunette, and she's smart and studious, mm-hmm. um, etc. Obviously, you have to be a brunette to be smart and studious. Exactly, they really leaned into the stereotypes <laughs> here. Um, kind of the other side of her coin, best friend at times frenemy is Serena Vanderwoodson, who when I first watched the show, I could not get over how dumb of a name that was. But then by the end, I was like, that's a totally normal rich people Dutch name. Um, Serena Vanderwoodson is a hot mess in both sense of the word. She's hot and she's a mess. And a lot of like the lore and mythology of Serena happens pre-show and we come to know a different like like personality rehabbed Serena, but she is definitely someone to be in contrast to Blair in that she's free spirit. She's more creative. She likes to break the rules. She's not in a mold. And then as a result, she's sexually free. And this is a super common dynamic among women of like, are you going to be like the perfect brunette who's prim and proper in what some people would say, like the wife material? Or are you going to be a Serena Vanderwoodson and it girl can't be tamed femme fatale, um, the girl every guy wants, you know, kind of, um, Madonna whore vibes, like the annoying false dichotomy. Then we get into the males. We have Nate Archibald, the original counterpart to Blair. He's a hot, dumb jock. Like that's who he is. He is dumb. He's actually stupid, but he's the nicest guy on the show. Arguably the only nice guy. He has low aspirations, but he also had a silver spoon. And I would say like on the sexual freedom scale, he's like probably right in the middle. He does what he wants, but it's not really like a motivation for him. And he's such a nice guy that in like the limited language of a CW show, if you're not like crazed by sex, like, you know, (laughs) you're just fine. You're like low on the temperature. Right. Okay. Then there's Chuck Bass, which I can summarize in only two words, four syllables, daddy issues, like daddy issues in all senses of the word. And it does def and also mommy issues too. Um, he's a complicated character, bona fide white collars, douchebag, spoiled, billionaire, playboy, etc. but secretly kind of deep. And then like, he is like kind of paired up with Blair 
later on. And then finally, we have Dan Humphrey, the perennial outsider because he's from Brooklyn, which lol, like he's literally like a straight white, like cis guy who's like actually upper middle class, but he's an outsider because he's from Brooklyn. (laughs) He's from Williamsburg. And, um, He's really heady, intellectual, moody cutie if there ever was one. And he really clings to his outsiderness, but secretly wants in. And he's the one of these who starts the season as a virgin. Everyone else is like sexually free. There's a bunch of other characters, but there's literally too many to mention. And I hate Jenny Humphrey, so I won't mention her here. <laughs> I was going to say, what about Jenny? <laughs> Jenny! I know, I just don't like her. Like, if you're if you're curious on my thoughts on Jenny, follow me at Sasha Arianto and you can look at my Gossip Girl <laughs> recap stories. It's just like a whole essay onto its own. I love so many of the characters, but I mean, of course, related to Dan and Jenny because I was I am from Brooklyn, and so the just like uh, the fact that you have to take the subway to school, like the way that New York City works in high school, is that um, if you don't live near your school, and a lot of people don't live near their schools because it's a huge city and like the best schools are not necessarily right next to you. And you don't just go to the school that's next to you. Like you can go to a different school. So just like the ability to take the train, but like, it's crazy that you took the train when other people who are like really wealthy live two blocks away from the school. And it's like actually a marker of difference. I did not go to private school in the city. I went to boarding school, but it is something that like my friends experienced. And so I just felt that like connection to them. Um, But it's also very white. So there was also parts of that. I was like, I, I can't, and I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> this is not a, yes. it's not a struggle that I personally face, but I still <laughs> loved it. Yes. And there's actually just an incredible scene where Jenny cries and says, dad, you can't just send me to school with a Metro card and think everything's going to be okay. <laughs> and she, she the, one of the th- themes of the show that comes out a lot is the class differences that they experience. They, Dan is supposed to be the everyman. And as a result, he's somewhat of the like main character. We're often told through the, uh, the perspective of Dan and like his foray into this like wild and crazy life. Um, I will say, so you connected with Dan a little from the like, perspective of being like a Brooklynite I find that people tend to have and actually I might be projecting like a character that they feel like they identify with and then a character Mm -hmm. that they is their sexual favorite like the object of their affection and it it goes without saying that all of these characters by the end of the six seasons have sex with literally all the other ones except (laughs) that Serena and Chuck never get together but like Nate gets with Jenny, Chuck gets with Jenny, Blair gets with Nate, with Chuck, and with Dan, Serena gets with Dan, and with Nate, like, literally, it's so incestuous, and Vanessa sleeps with every boy, and Nate sleeps with every girl, so, (laughs) (laughs) who, like, Tamer, if you have one, who do you identify with, who do you find sexy? I mean, I guess I invent, I, I identify with Dan, because, being the like sweet soul from Brooklyn, the writer, the sort of like artisty person, even though I don't necessarily like, consider myself totally that, but I, he's just like such a sweet boy and you're just rooting for Dan the whole time. Um, and then, oh, sexually, Nate Archibald, give me that bad boy. Like you will take me to a fancy ass restaurant and then leave me. I love it. No, just kidding. That's just like the... <laughs> I mean, he was my, he was my sexual icon, but then for the woman, Must hair. like I would have wanted to be a Serena. First. Yeah. Like flowing in the wind. Like everyone loves me, but I'm distant. Effortless, Effortless and gorgeous. Yeah. The it girl photograph. Wow. And she went to boarding school too. I think right? like, she, she did she go got to kicked boarding out school. And came back, yeah. So. Drama. Yeah. Um, she got, she left because of a like liaison, a alleged liaison with the professor. There's sex at every turn. Which and is like show- just sexual abuse. Like you're, you can't have a liaison when you're 15 with a no, But it was alleged. That was a thing, Tamer. It didn't actually happen. Ding, ding. But then later after he gets out of jail, <laughs> they do have a relationship, which is still weird. Um, Yes, I will say for me, I kind of was like a Blair Waldorf, but then when I rewatched, I was like, wow, like 
it's like literally kind of abusive how she is as a friend like she's a bully to a lot of people and it's like actually just kind of toxic and I like loved as a result Chuck Bass I feel like the guy that the only guy that is excusable to like is Nate like he's literally the only one who's not toxic in the whole show but I still like Chuck Bass um wait I think I meant to say Chuck Chuck is the mean one, right? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I meant Chuck. <laughs> no, I don't like Revelation. the sweet one. I meant the mean one, to be clear. Yeah, I know. He's hot. He's so yeah. hot, but so bad. Whew. Okay. And also, PSA, please don't send me any Ed Westwick content. I cannot see Ed Westwick. I it will ruin <laughs> the character of Chuck. I need to only see, send me Chuck memes, Chuck TikToks, but no Ed Westwick. Thank you. Um, so we're going to like now, like now that you have the lay of the land of the show, let's talk about sexuality in it. I mean, right off the bat, the first episode really starts with Serena returning. She's the object of lust of Dan. And she actually, we find out later, left the city because of a threesome that went awry. And then we jump cut to Blair's party where she tries to seduce Nate because she's a virgin and she thinks that having sex with him and who she thinks is also a virgin is going to bond them forever. Um, that doesn't go well because like <laughs> Nate's still in love with Serena, who he did lose his virginity to. So that was pretty much one and a half sentences. And you can tell that this, this show is like very entwined with sexuality. Yeah. Um, I also definitely want to like pause and point out here that the show has a lot of problematic things, not only with sexuality, but like the fact that like there's literally one black character like it through the entire series and it's a woman who's who's like the object of, of affection she's very smart and cool there oh there's two it's her and her dad that's not a lot it's like all white they're all there's one gay man everyone else is like it's very homogenous which was like not reflective of the times but reflective of tv at the times and but so I think it's also reflective of the upper east side in a way that like you can change today in the reboot which I'm sure we're going to talk about but like it's like not it's not that surprising like that yeah. is what the school looked like on the Upper East Side that yes that is true and I just spent a few weeks on the Upper East Side and like like this is going and in, written into stone is that if I ever think that I should move to the Upper East Side you Tamer and anyone else who listens to this podcast has to tell me it's a bad idea I got you Are, there are definitely upsides to it but like there is no racial diversity like whatsoever and like the racial diversity that there is, is very like class divide. It's insane. And I'm excited for this reboot, which has like, like majority, um, majority people of color in the cast, which is really cool. But when I saw what I was like, wow, this like totally doesn't reflect reality to the point of like, you know, maybe as one of my coworkers says, reflect the world you want to see, not the world that exists. So maybe that's it. And we'll talk about the, the pod, the reboot in a bit. But I just wanted to asterisk that like this show definitely has a lot of problems. And even though like I stand it, I'm very aware of those limitations and also down to have a convo about that too. But don't think I don't think that the show has a lot of issues, <laughs> um, including Chuck specifically. And I also just want to say that I don't think it's problematic for shows to represent difficult subjects or bad things that happen. It's really about like, how do those characters, how do people respond to those bad things? And like, what is the takeaway? You can have a villain, but like the villain shouldn't be like loved by all <laughs> and like succeed <laughs> always. Uh, yeah. So why well, do wish we had time to recap everything? I just want to kind of like put out here some of the sexual scenarios that we find in our order of like most normal and universally relatable to like least normal. Um, starting off with wanting to have sex or being nervous about sex, losing your virginity, having sex with someone more experienced than you, being gay, young people having sex with older people, dating someone who's dating other people, having a threesome being in a relationship that lacks sexual chemistry, making a sex tape, accidentally getting someone pregnant, being a beard to a closeted gay man, having an affair with a married person, finding out you and your girlfriend's parents used to fuck, continuing to fuck even when you become stepbrother and stepsister, having your sexual favors used as currency for your boyfriend to buy back his hotel from so his extorting many. uncle, finding out your much older mistress is also sleeping with her stepson 
And finally, finding out your baby isn't really your baby. And actually the person you thought you got pregnant is lying. And it turns out she was attached to a Russian mafia billionaire. (laughs) That one is the most relatable one. (laughs) So clearly there's a lot going on in the show. And I wanted to talk about like, how does all of this sex and content affect the people watching it? Um, I was like, particularly like teens, because I guess that's when like puberty hits. But frustratingly, there's like so few studies done in any sort of recent time. Like most of the studies on like the influence of media and sexuality is like from 2010 and prior to that, which is like crazy crazy and like media in the last two years has changed so much like tiktok was invented in 2016 like we literally have new modes of expression so it's kind of nuts um and what we kind of found out surprisingly at least like of our generation tamer people are having less sex than they were previous generations like millennials have less sex at our age than boomers had like frequency of sex per week yeah like less sex overall fewer sexual partners and there's a lot of like speculation around why that is like why do you guess like maybe that we're having less sex everyone will remember not just the people but like you can put it on a phone it's you could have a picture of it like potentially there's some fear around that yeah I mean technology I think is a big speculative reason is like social anxiety and the fact that like so many of our interactions are like facilitated digitally which doesn't translate to actual sex or like the dance around Mm -hmm. like mating that's definitely one of them and also people speculate that like the rise of porn means that like people are sexually satisfied like you know they're getting the job done themselves um there's a real there's like a 2018 article called the sex recession um But at the same time, other people are calling this the golden age of puberty TV. You have shows like Sex Education, Teen Vogue put out an entire article on how to have anal sex. It's becoming more normalized. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Tamer's face, y'all. I know. (laughs) I guess it's sex. It's not anal specifically, but I do feel like that's such, it is, it is a taboo, like more than sex like I'm you know you do you but like I'm I'm actually shocked that Team Vogue had an article about anal sex I know and their editor-in-chief said like that's part of like they want to create content that's like useful to young people and I it is now what it is I mean it's commoner and someone said it was called fifth base which I'm like is this a millennial making up (laughs) terms again (laughs) if you're a Gen Z tell us if you call it fifth base um (laughs) So there's all of these shows out now. I think, third base. I think a lot of people feel like it's not sex. Wow. It's like one step before sex for, for many people. Certainly and don't have anal among before some... vaginal, but there have been a couple studies and also like students are definitely not learning it through school. Like only in the United States, only 30 States have require sex education. And in the UK, like majority of students said that like sex education was just total shite because they're British. So they were like, it's shite. Studies found that teens who watched a lot of content that featured sex were more likely to have sex. But the interesting thing is that not only that, they were, it was also likely to influence their beliefs about sex. So both in the positive and negative, for example, some of the things they found were that it was more likely to increase greater acceptance of casual sex and perceptions that sex is more frequent or prevalent, um, or to have more safe sex or sex related conversations um, and healthy sexual beliefs, which I'm like, that's dope. On the other hand, it also like, you know, sometimes if they, if people felt guilty after sex or sex was shameful in a show, then that was like seen as that was something that beliefs they also held. So like, it's kind of important, like how sex is portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I totally see that. Cause like what you, what you see can definitely change what you believe. I also hope that in the sex and shows that teens and everyone is watching, that they are practicing safe sex. And so even if you are having more sex because you're watching a show, like hopefully the sex you're having is safer and you actually know a little bit more, even if you're not learning it in school because you could have less sex and still get pregnant because you don't know like what's going on or how to have sex or put on a condom, et cetera. So 
I'm all, I'm all for the teaching that could happen there. Exactly. I mean, did your parents have like the talk with you? Barely. It was very awkward. I just remember like standing online for basketball tryouts. My dad was like, so, uh, <laughs> like there's these STDs. It was, I feel like my mom was like, yo, you got to talk to Tamer about sex. And he was like, well, this is it. Like we're, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go try out for this travel basketball team now. In high school? This is middle school. <gasps> wow. School, yeah. I, like, my mom, <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. Like, I mean, I, I hate that your dad, like talk to you about it in line online but I mean, or- imagine, this is the guy who I'm like he's like but I'm really like does the movie have guns like you know he wasn't <laughs> gonna like sit down at a table with me and be like yeah like this you know but I am obsessed with the fact that like that is a good age like <laughs> yeah people have sex young I mean I feel like in New York probably like actually I was gonna say in New York they're more mature than Alabama but I think Alabama has like the number one like chlamydia rates it's <laughs> up oh, number one in chlamydia my mom did not have the talk with me and I think it was just like she's so uncomfortable by it so I definitely learned a lot about sex from shows but like when we finally had like the talk and this was I was like I wonder how like open I'm gonna be I lost my virginity when I was 18 years old and I like was going I was like so paranoid I was gonna get pregnant even though I practiced safe sex and I like went and I was like mom I have to talk to you she was like at the library so you came out sat in the front seat so we were both sitting in the front seat like staring forward and I was like look I'm gonna tell you something don't talk until I'm done I'm sexually active I literally (laughs) said I'm sexually active because I saw it in Juno that's how they said I said I'm sexually active and I want to get birth control so I need you to make an appointment with the doctor and I was like the adult doctor because I'm not going to my pediatrician who's <laughs> obviously a family friend and went to the same temple as me because all the Jews in Birmingham know each other and I said I want to go to the adult doctor and get birth control and I, and I ended it by saying and you should be glad that I'm telling you about this because a lot of people my age would not even tell their parents <laughs> or do something responsible <laughs> I'm such a, a Blair bitch. What was her response? Tamer, my mom is such a chatterbox. She had never been so quiet in her life. She <laughs> stared forward and she said, okay. <laughs> like, that's it. I was like, okay. Just like, okay. I'm dead. So, you know, out here getting like well influenced, like that's a positive for sure. I mean, so even though my dad had this like, random conversation with me online and I feel like maybe my mom talked to me about it like I don't have a memory of it it's not like they were like and choose the person that you lose your virginity to wisely which I feel like is part of the sex conversation that people miss or at least that my parents missed and I I do wish that I had had that because I think for me I was like I'm 17 it's time like I have to do it like I won't I I can't possibly get to 18 without losing my virginity that would be lame that would be crazy like I must so I was like who is the person that will make this happen for me versus being like do I really like this person do they really <laughs> like me is this gonna be a nice experience and like it was fine but um I I also wish that that had been part of the conversation and I think that like some of the tv shows that I watched and like I don't I don't regret it at all like it, everything is fine but there was definitely a mix of people who were like super like waiting. Like I think of like a Rory Gilmore who, you know, like waited forever and like dated her boyfriend forever. And then there's the Serena Vanderwoodson and the gossip girls of the world where everyone is just fucking everyone. And it's very casual. And like, there's very little regard for feelings in that situation. And I felt like, or I just didn't even know like what was correct. So, you know, I just had to try all of those different kinds. Turns out I like the ones with feelings, but I went through all the different ones <laughs> you sampled from the buffet before going back for seconds and you went back for seconds on the feelings sex <laughs> yes which well, I love on the non-feeling too just had to make yeah. sure yeah you know? I think and this is true of many things like heels versus flats um is different things at different times you know there's times <laughs> in your life where you want like a nice like thank you very much like uh one night stand there's times when you're like I don't want to unless you know I know your social security number. I'm just kidding. I don't know people's social security number, but you want to know their feelings inside and out. Right, right, right. 
Well, that's a perfect segue and and we'll wrap this up is just the things I learned from Gossip Girl, I would say like there were kind of three big ones. And the first is like you said, like sex is okay and it's a good thing. Like coming from the South and having a weird perception that was kind of religiously influenced about like what it meant for like what virginity as a status meant, which now I'm Mm. kind of like is even as a concept kind of annoying. Um, Like it's good and women can want it. And I think Blair, who I was the one I identified with, like being seeking out sex and like liking it and having it in a healthy way with one person and then with multiple people, like it was good. I loved it. Is Gospel Girl trying to say something about sex or or is it just showing a range of ways to have sex? And I think that that it's like, what is the ultimate takeaway for anyone, but especially maybe like a teen watching that show? Yeah, a good question, which I feel like is like a lens through which we have to like a look at all content is like, is are they advocating for something or are they portraying something? And I think like with a show like, a CW show or like a show for young people. It's like, maybe we don't have to apply that lens of like, are they advocating? But it's like, what's the takeaway? And like, for me, I definitely learned from it. And I learned, there were a lot of bad lessons from it too. Like the idea that aggressive sexual behavior is like normal, especially from men, or that only women can be the recipients of unwanted sexual advances. And also like their attitudes towards highly inappropriate relationships, like between teachers and students. Yeah. Um, What? Yeah. And so now that they are doing a reboot, I just want to finish up here with what is on, like they're rebooting this show, which as we mentioned was not diverse, but accurate in some ways. Um, for that time, 10 years later, more than 10 years later, and the times have changed, there's social media, we care about different things as a society, um, but they know like a show like this is going to be influential on the culture. Like what's on your bingo list or your wish list? Like what do you want to see? What do you hope to see, expect to see in this reboot sexually? I'm definitely here for more queer sex that's not like hidden or um, shameful or people having to get over it. I mean, I think that that's an important storyline and like, and perhaps that will be there and like, that's important for someone, but just to be like, I'm 17 and gay. Like I'm out here in these streets having sex, just like the rest of my hetero friends. Like I want to see that. Like, I love that. Um, and I'm super excited for that. Also coming out is a very 2000s plot line. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's still, it's real. So like, if I hope that there's a character who comes out too, like, I don't want it to seem like, you know, that doesn't exist, but I also just want someone to be living their best life. And like, it's all good. Um, and I'm very excited to see people of color on the show just in general, like it is an aspirational show, but why can't every person looking at it feel that aspirational quality too? aspirational in terms of like, these people obviously have something that like most people don't. And so it's kind of this look into this world but like, why not be able to look at someone who looks like me too? So I'm super pumped about that. And uh, yeah, the, I just saw the pictures for the reboot. I don't know if there's anything else, but they're all like just sitting on this, the steps of the Met Museum. And I'm just like, everyone's hot. They're all going to have sex like yeah. with each other. I'm also <laughs> expecting like polyamory to become a topic. Like, I feel like that, like I don't thruple? know among the young people or just like, yeah, like being non-monogamous, which maybe Mm -hmm. actually is a little too old of a topic. Like maybe a lot of kids, I guess, do it just by virtue of like hooking up with different people. But I wonder if that's something they're going to explore, open relationships, et cetera. Yeah. I'm intrigued. And I also hope too, just like better conversation about like consent, like normal people, which you haven't scene they did it really well and I hope they talk about it like they didn't really talk about it on Gossip Girl at all so I hope that it's something that like they're bringing up but yeah queer will. and if a teacher hits on a student it's gonna be like we're reporting them or it'll be more escondolo like the in fact that it's just like a cute little thing and like pretty little liars and stuff it's like I definitely like as a high school student was like wow like I'm gonna have an affair with the teacher one day and as an adult I'm like that is so fucked up (laughs) so tell us what you learned about sexuality from Gossip Girl or what your favorite shows and highly influential reference points were leave us a note dm us comment us find our emails and shoot us one. We want to know what you think. 
Yes, let us know. Okay, dear listeners, we are now heading into our final section, Extra Butter. And our buttery question of last week was, if you could only consume one piece of content for the rest of your life, what would it be? And we got some super interesting responses. Um, my favorite thing about this question is that you have to really love whatever this piece of content is. So I feel like the responses that we got were very passionate and like people had reasons, like real reasons why they wanted to consume this piece of content forever and ever. Um, and so with that, I'm going to read a few of the responses from my girl Katya. When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron. I am probably not saying that right. That is right. It's pa- I think it's Pema Chodron. Oh, Pema Chodron. It has saved my ass many times, end I quote. And um, I just thought that was like really cool. And she went on to explain um, it's like Buddhist philosophy and she goes back to it whenever she's feeling like she needs to read it again or glean something from the book. And I just love pieces of content like that, that if you watch it again, you actually get something new or different, or depending where you are in your life, it says something different to you. And so I didn't, I don't, I wouldn't have expected that to be a response where like, I didn't think through like, oh, of course, something that not just that you enjoy reading or watching, but something that literally tells you something different every time is going to be part of people's answers for this. Um, And so I just thought that that one was really sweet. I love that for her, what that is, is like Zen Buddhism, because I was like, oh, maybe like Harry Potter, because I'll see more clues. <laughs> or like I think that mine would actually be like probably Harry Potter. I mean, there's a lot of dynamicism to it. Okay. I got the three body problem trilogy. No question. And this is from a woman who I know is obsessed with the three body problem. And we have talked about this before. So I'm actually, and when she responded, I was like, okay, now like, great. Um, and she's read it many times anyway. And I thought that was cool. It is on my list of books to read, but I haven't read it yet. Uh, but I've heard just like incredible things about it. Do you know what this book series is? It's like, the- I think I'm the one person who wasn't obsessed with it. And maybe because it was mm-hmm. so hyped and I do like science fiction, but the tone of it was just so hardcore physics that I just didn't enjoy it a ton and I was like kept waiting for the part where it was going to blow my mind because it's very hyped I think I'm really the one person who's like not so down I wish I had my copy so I gave it away or otherwise I'd give it to you (laughs) okay it's okay I can probably borrow it from this woman and then um the last one was um a different world and that is uh sitcom I think it was on probably like late 80s early 90s um it's a black sitcom with I want to I'm saying Zoe Saldana in my head that is not her name her name is Zoe Kravitz Zoe Kravitz mom Lisa Benet wow I really had to do mental nice nice love it Benet is the main character of a different world um and they look the same it's crazy they do so you could have said Zoe Kravitz and no one would have corrected you (laughs) but I think she like got pregnant at the end of the first season or something and then I don't know if she came back anyway I haven't watched the whole thing but I was asking my friend Chris and I was like what do you love about it and he said I love that it's about a black college I love the themes the characters all the guest stars from black culture that were in it I love the theme song and I love Jennifer Lewis. And I was like, damn, that's a lot of shit to love about this show. But I, I think it is really cool because it was such a black culture phenomenon at the time. And they had people from like, like guest stars from all different walks of culture. So it's actually something that I want to rewatch. Like I recently watched uh, Girlfriends, which is on Netflix, which was sort of like the black version of sex in the city. Um, but like less, they were very prudish, like very, like they had much <laughs> less sex uh, than Carrie and Friends. Um, and I'm currently rewatching like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And so that's added to my list, uh, because of what he said. I've never heard of this show, A Different World, but I just looked it up. Well, they look like they're having a lot of fun. Is it at an HBCU? Yeah. But Lisa Bonet, like, how do you get that bone structure? Unreal. Also, isn't she married to, uh. The guy from Game of Thrones. Jason Momoa. Oh my God. The most perfect couple ever. They seem like just nice people. Watch the show of them getting ready for, watch the YouTube video of them getting ready for the Oscars from like 2019. It's so good. (laughs) Wait, I've never seen this. Okay. Uh, What about you? What'd your friends respond, Sash? Wow. We have different friends this week because like 90% of them are like, oh, let me get back to you. I can't think (laughs) of 
<laughs> but my one friend, Chris Rush, shout out. He's also a musician. As a musician, he's known as Faraday. Um, but he was like quickly like James Blake, The Color and Anything. Love that album. It's one of the most beautiful albums. And he said that relative to books, TV and music is most important. So I thought that was you know, I noted noted that he was like, look, I'm going category and then by category, I'm going to my top. So he was like, boom, boom. My friend, my best friend, Anna and I were thinking that maybe a good one would be Moulin Rouge because it's also kind of like an album. So you get like the music element of it and the movie element of it. And it's funny. It's sad. It's tragic. Betrayal, sex redemption so there's a lot a lot to work there on the emotional spectrum and she said if not that then just season two of the office (laughs) (laughs) season two not season one we love range tamer you have zen buddhism we have the office no i I mean i love the office i that's actually that's a good answer I like that one. I feel like, the, I mean, not that my opinion makes something good or not, to be clear, just I liked it. It does. But it does. Moulin Rouge, I think it would be hard for me to watch that many, many times in a row. And I've seen that movie many times, but like, I hope you don't mind is still low key stuck in my head. Like, just from, I, can't, I couldn't do it. I don't think I could do it. I will clarify that I've, the three pieces of content I've watched more than anything else are The Goonies. Moulin Rouge and Forrest Gump, quite a trio. It was because like back in pre-streaming day. Oh my God. It's like the best eighties movies. It's about friendship and adventure. Oh my God. It's so good. Tamer the Goonies. It's so good. It's like a pirate buddy film. I'll, I'll send you a link or something. I'll send you an iTunes gift card. So you can treat yourself (laughs) to the pleasure of the Goonies. Um, but like, it's about kids. Like all of the characters are kids and they're like, it's just good. It's like, Mwah. but it was like pre-streaming days. And I had all of those on like tape or like rented from the library at various times. And like, we just would watch it again and again. And again, I watched Moulin Rouge again and again and again. Uh, so good. Mwah. So I, I have, I have some data to go on that I could handle it time and time again, but yeah. all right. Maybe we'll throw some Forrest Gump in there. Forrest Gump. That is like a box of chocolates. Iconic. All right. (laughs) On that Ah! note. (laughs) On that note, our question for next week is what's a famous line from a film or TV show that resonates with you? For Tamer, it's clearly (laughs) life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to (laughs) get. I have quite a few, but that's that's up there. Okay. Tell us. Comment, DM us, send us a voice note, WhatsApp us, leave us a voicemail if you have our number, but don't ask for it if you don't already have it. And we will see you on the other side next Tuesday.